welcome to the False Neutral Podcast. This is episode 80 for July of 20... I was about to say 1988. We were just talking about your 10-year-old show notes. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that. So later. August of 2018. Yes. I am fighting a headache cold, so <laughs> excuse my voice and my uh, clearing my throat. I will try not to cough over other people when they're talking. Uh, we are all three here again, which seems to be almost a regular thing. Hi, gentlemen. How you doing? Pretty good. Better than you, anyways. <laughs> had a few ups, had uh, some major downs lately. So, yeah, well, you know. Uh, let's start with uh, project updates. Boy, <laughs> I can hear the crickets now. Let's not all <laughs> jump in at once. Yeah. Well, I got some parts. I finally figured out I needed to make all my electrical connections on my uh, for putting in the electronic ignition on the XS400. So I I was literally microseconds away from hurling tools in the garage because every time I try to to do a, a connection between the two different wires between the stock and the and the new set, um, the connections would not hold with the with the crimp connectors. And I mean I was I even bought a nice set of, of ratcheting things to to knock them down and everything. And then I realized that yeah these are like twenty two gauge wires so that's why nothing's holding it. Ah so your crimp connectors were too big for the wires. Yeah, so they were like 18 to 20 or whatever that is, the red ones are. So I remembered something that I had on my Amazon list, which was these crimp connectors that also have a built-in solder joint. So you go in, you sort of semi-crimp it, but then you take a heat gun to it, and it melts the solder in there, and it'll solder Ooh. the two wires together. And in the process, it also has heat shrink on the ends, and then so it'll heat shrink it all together. Very nice. I have not seen those. That's yeah, I will. Nice uh, I'll put them in the. Uh, I'll put them in the our our show notes, our private show notes here, and then uh, you can drop that in the uh, in, in the links for the show. Yeah, or in, on Hooniverse. Yep. Sorry. And yeah. So that's where that is. And then car. Well, before we started recording, I was discussing the bleep show that was trying to fix the rear brakes on my car today. So, but that is irrelevant to our show for today. <laughs> and I haven't done any work on any motorcycles and that's kind of a, not a bad thing. I guess it's kind of a good thing. I've just done some riding. Um, for those that live in the Portland area, I'm sure they know the route, but I rode, we have the Willamette river, which is kind of a branch off of the Columbia. And there is a, a highway 30 that just kind of, parallels the river um up north out towards the co <clears throat> the coast range um i went and did that ride just the other day i hadn't done it before but it was pretty neat so um more riding than wrenching and that's not a bad thing no wait you you can ride these things sometimes when you're lucky <laughs> i'll have to try that wow okay <laughs> yeah uh, I have not done anything cause I was gone for 10 days. Uh, my two nieces, my wife's sister's daughters who were pretty close to, uh, not having kids of our own. We've kind of, as they grew up, at Sarah's house. So we, uh, uh, 
took them on a uh, Alaskan cruise for their graduation present, one graduating college, one graduating high school. So uh, we took them. We had promised them that, like, for the last seven years. We'd been saying we'd do that as their graduation present. So uh spent our time up in uh, the Inside Passage of Alaska and spent a couple days in Seattle before and after that. So one of the things that's very interesting is I had told you guys when I was going to be up in Seattle that at the Derby restaurant, which is part of the shop, and the shop is basically one of those uh, uh, work-on-it, store-it, uh, curated rich guy's garage where they can park their exotic cars when they, you know, if you're living in a in a high-rise downtown, and is, Seattle is amazingly uh, densely populated with lots and lots of high-rise apartments. This is where rich people can, who don't have a garage, can store their cars and work on their cars and have somebody else maintain their cars if necessary. And there were lots of very, very interesting things there. Uh, Porsche 918, a bunch of Ferraris, a, uh, I think it was an Aventador spider. Is there such a thing or is it a Huracan? Huracan spider. Uh, Huracan spider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of walk in a little, uh, <clears throat> gated area, you know, a little fenced in area where you can kind of spectate and look at all of the, all the cars that they have. Well, they have some motorcycles there and one of them is, and I believe I said this on the last podcast or a couple podcasts ago, the Boltaco spider or streaker rather. They brought in 28 of them. In 1978, and the EPA was like, no, you can't do that. So they never sent the titles out. The 28 that made it to dealers, the dealers never got titles for them. Well, I almost bought that when I was stationed up in Washington from Auburn Motorsports, and that exact same bike showed up at the Derby restaurant. So I told my nieces and my wife when we're up there, I've got to go have lunch at the Derby. We walked in. I'm so excited. After 34 years, I'm finally going to get reunited with this motorcycle, which my very first article for Hooniverse was written about this being my Eleanor, the one that got away. And I was all excited. I was finally going to see it. I called them about a month before we went up there. I'm like, I just want to verify that that bike is going to be there the day I'm going to be there. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's always up front. It's it's real popular, and the and the guy leaves it here all the time. There's no reason to expect it wouldn't be there. Wasn't there. <laughs> but we did have a, a very nice lunch. I would, I would If you're in Seattle and you're in the Soto area, it was, Soto is south of the Dome, kind of south of downtown area, kind of a, a transitional used to be strictly industrial, but now it's kind of getting a bit more trendy and hip area of town. Uh, the Derby and the shop is a great place to go have what we really enjoyed the lunch, but I was doing it uh, about five feet away from a GPZ 1100 and a GPZ 750 that were where the streaker was a month ago. So, yeah, man, that's a bummer to go all the way there and not see it. Yep. Yep. It, it was not meant to be. That's, that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah. 
Did you leave a note saying, hey, he was here for the Butaco? No, I did go and talk to the manager, and I was like, can you really just verify for me that it's not in the back somewhere? That it's And he kind of disappeared and came back. He says, no, the guy took it. He Sometimes he shows it at shows, and sometimes he just, you know, wants to have it at, I don't know, wherever he takes it. So. In his office. So, and I'm... The, <laughs> The motorcycle, as I understand, it still has no title. It is, I mean, it has or, no title. Is, it's now old enough that there are plenty of ways to get a title for yeah. a 1978 motorcycle. So it's right. not the, and even back in when I was looking at it in 84, um, there were legal ways that you could jump through some hoops and get it. Yeah. It just, Got uh, it. but as far as I know, the guy still doesn't have a title for it because he has no intention of writing it. I don't think it's ever been started. Uh, as yeah. of a month ago, it still had just the, just the shakedown mileage on it from the factory. Mm. So I hope, I hope that engine got pickled correctly. <laughs> well, if it's if never it going to run, then yeah, it I doesn't suppose. really matter. Yeah. So those, those rings are awful set in the cylinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Very true. Uh, unfortunately, it's a Boltaco, and they're pretty much mechanical, not cosmetic and bodywork parts. But the mechanical stuff, you can still pretty much get anything you want. So, yeah. Um, in other news, uh, another one of our sister podcasts in the Hooniverse Podcast Network that uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about if they're not subscribers to Camden Tubbed has called it quits. That they are, they are throwing in the towel. Uh, Cam Vanderhorst and Bradley Brownell kind of decided that they were done. And from my discussions with them, I think it was truly kind of a Lennon and a McCartney thing. They just had two different directions their careers were going and different visions for how they wanted to personally brand themselves and they just weren't compatible anymore. So they're, so it's us and the Hooniverse podcast, which isn't much of a network, but they're still going to yeah. let us post our our announcements and our attachments on Hooniverse. So we're still going to be doing that. Cool. And uh, I understand that if you're really that leaves you starved for uh, podcast content, uh, you you can go old school. Uh, Eric, what, tell us, tell us what you've been up to with, uh, the long, uh, long dormant, defunct, long dormant. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say defunct, but I didn't think that was kind. Uh, Rumble Strip Radio, what's going on? So about two or three years ago, I think it's about three years ago. I'd have to go look, but about three years ago, I pulled the, uh, the audio down off of the, the host it was on because I was paying like five or 10 bucks a month and I wasn't putting anything up. So it didn't make sense. And I had always been thinking about trying to re-upload it somewhere where I could at least either for next to nothing or nothing. And, well, hello, Shout Engine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Um, I have to send you a coupon to beer or something in San Diego or wherever he's posted, where he, wherever he moved to now. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so I had... I knew I had all the audio. I'd saved it. Uh, turns out I'm missing one episode, which is episode 38 or 9, which, okay, no big deal. Uh, I don't think it was a big deal. But my, the issue was when I took it down, I had 
gotten all the show notes before I deleted everything. Well, I couldn't find the show notes, uh, which to me, I wanted to have the show notes with 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 the stuff just so people could look at it and see where things stood. Um, So. I've been thinking about it and thinking about it, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, the uh, the Internet Wayback Machine, which takes a snapshot of websites periodically. And so I went back and a little bit of work and was able to recover all the show notes for it. So I'm in the process of uploading um, all the old episodes. I'm up to episode 40 right now um, of the 99 episodes. And that was always the joke. You're like, yeah, I got to episode 99 and called it a day. Um, so just to give some context, episode one was, oops, I'm scrolling through the notes here because I kept it, was on March 9th of 2006, and I might have been a little ahead of the curve when it came to podcasts. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then episode 99 was November 4th of 2009. So that's how long the show ran. You know, there's a couple other shows in there, too. I did with uh, my friend John. We did something called Live Fast Racing. I, I might throw a few of those up there as well. So, uh, But, yeah, it's, it'll be a snapshot in time of the AMA Superbike Series, World Superbike, and MotoGP. So I have not listened to any of these things in a decade. But um, I, I'm looking through some of the notes. I'm like, well, I actually got to interview some some pretty cool people uh, along the way, including the guy who was uh, – Eurosports main play-by-play guy for for MotoGP, Toby Moody, um, a bunch of the top AMA racers at, at the time, a few of the crew chiefs. I have an hour-plus interview with Dave Despain. Um, yeah. So, you know, a uh, little bit I, of everything throughout there. I always liked Dave Despain. I always thought he was a really cool guy. did a lot of different, very interesting things in his career. I would like to go back and listen to that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I I forgot how I had, I found his people to talk to and arrange it, and you know, and like he's like, well, so how long do you want to go? I'm like, dude, we'll go as long as you want. I can do it 15 minutes. We can go an hour. Just you tell me. He's like, oh, we'll just go. And I think it went longer than both of us intended because it ended when it, when we wrapped up. He was gone pretty quick. But yeah, I think that show was well over an hour, hour and ten minutes or something like that. So it's like I got the guy. I'm like. Woo-hoo. You know, like how many times are you going to get to talk to Dave Despain, who's a bit of a legend? So, so you're putting them all up on Shout Engine. We'll yep. uh, we'll provide a link to everybody in the in the Hooniverse uh, post when we go live. So you can go to Hooniverse.com, uh, search for the False Neutral, and uh, be able to have a link to all of the old Rumble Strip Radio podcasts. And and some of the uh, titles are rather <laughs> uh, topical on some stuff or either uh, – what's the other one? There's a couple in here like, wow, that's very of the moment kind of things. Or you could tell what movies I'm watching. Like one is episode 83, The Rent Stays the Same. Hmm, must have been watching Godfather. <laughs> um Oh, did talk to the guy, the director for Faster and, and uh, DTK, uh, interviewed him. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm just looking. Oh, Inagata Davida thinks this show is long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's episode 77. What was that? Uh, yeah, anyway, so, anyway, I won't go through all of it, but it'll be, anyway, like I said, I've got 40 up. 
Uh, once I get back from Canada on um, Monday, I will uh, work on getting the other 40 up. Or maybe I'll work on it while I'm up in Canada before I go to sleep. So who knows? Very good. Uh, well, as- I've got some difficult decisions to make here uh, in the next few weeks um, about motorcycles that I have the opportunity to buy, but not quite the funds to buy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a good friend of mine and motorcycle collector, I had told you um, on a maybe a, a couple episodes ago that um, he had passed away and left behind quite a few motorcycles and some of them I owned and sold to him. Some of them I uh, went and purchased for him. Uh, and, but now the family is kind of trying to figure out what to do with these bikes. I think they're going to keep a couple of them, but there are a few that they want to sell. And a few of them I might try to figure out how to get a hold of. Um, although I don't really want more motorcycles to sit around, (laughs) but so, um, one of them that I'm thinking about trying to get is a Kenny Roberts RZ 350. The, the motorcycle is a hundred percent original and very, very clean. Does it still, does it still have the catalytic pipes on it? It has aftermarket expansion chambers. That's the only thing. I mean, when you said all original, I'm like, stock. none of them are all original. Right. <laughs> Every single one it, of them does, got different exhaust. It does have expansion chambers, but otherwise completely untouched. Um, but it is tired. It needs a top end. And because it needs a top end, it needs a crankshaft. I mean, so like basically it needs a full motor rebuild, which not a big deal for me. Um, yeah, so you so got all those parts just sitting on the shelf there, don't yeah, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have the opportunity to buy that bike. Um, there's also a, gosh, I don't remember what year it is. It must be like a 73 Suzuki T500 Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which, didn't he, didn't he buy your 350 twin? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and that one is, they're keeping it mm. because that one he liked the most. They're going to keep it, um, in the family. But he has the big brother to that bike, which is the T500, right? which is still a twin, 500cc. They're um, neat bikes. They really are. Yeah, and this With- one is extremely well sorted, except the last time he rode it, which was a couple years ago, he broke the kick start gear, mm. which isn't a big deal on most motorcycles, except this, the Suzuki T500s, the kick start shaft goes uh, through the engine, but you can't take it out without separating the cases. Right, you got to split the cases. So you have to actually take the whole motor apart just to replace a simple kickstart gear. Um, I did get the parts to repair it for him. Um, so the parts are there. Um, and the motor, like the bike runs, it could be bump started. It just doesn't kickstart until uh, it's been gone through. Um, so I do have the opportunity to buy that. Um, he has a couple of other RZs, too. There's one that's just like a complete basket case. It almost looks like it was turned into a stunt bike. Like, I mean, the gas tank is just completely dented in. Uh, it's got some other... I think it's got forks from like a GSXR on it. All sorts of weird stuff. Um, 
but it's all together and it's there and it runs and rides pretty well. Um, it just looks appalling. And I, I, I was thinking about buying that one just because it's, you know, just an RZ that you could, I don't know, have fun with and not really care too much about. Um, but the main one is that Kenny Roberts bike. Now, I think that that's one that I went and purchased for him. And I think that I that I didn't want to pay more than 1700 bucks for it at the time. And he, the guy wanted, uh, the, the seller wanted 2200 for it. And I walked away and my friend said, no, I really want it. You have to, I, you got to buy it. Go get it. Pay the 2200 or 2300. So I think that's what he's into it. Um, which the values have come up on them. I'm not really sure I know what it's worth because the motor is tired. It needs to be rebuilt, but it is otherwise a really nice bike. So, but that's something I'll need to think about. What do you guys think? Buy it or not buy it? Well, let let me put it to you this way. I, the Mustang, by the way, I did sell the Mustang finally. Congratulations. Yeah, Yeah. So, uh, I did opened with that. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I did something adult with the money. I took half the money and paid off uh, a couple bills. And then I yeah. took the other half of the money and put it in my savings account for in case I run short for quarterly taxes. Yeah. That said, if there is a very clean, I don't care that the motor is tired. We could <clears throat> work something out, I'm sure. Um <laughs> I have some money in the bank. So if you're not going to buy it, I would be interested in buying yeah. it. Yeah, um, well, I am the one in charge of facilitating the sales for depending all the on, depending, depending on the pricing, of course. But you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, I couldn't imagine it being worth more than 2000 bucks, right range. Okay. Um, so, because, I mean, a mint condition one that runs and rides perfect is probably like 4500 right? You know, and, and it, Pete, does, I, I, I see... Is there a disagreement? I I have I can't tell you what it's worth. I have seen some really silly asking prices yes, for yeah. RZ350s. I don't know what they're actually selling for, but I know there's people out there who have them that think they're worth a lot more than that. Yeah, I really don't think that a per, I think a person could ask whatever they want. I think what they're going to get for a nice one is forty five hundred bucks, maybe a little bit more if it's like unbelievably nice. But uh, yeah, I, I I would have a hard time imagining paying more than that. And I don't, I honestly don't know if the Kenny Roberts ones are worth that much more than a regular RZ. Maybe just slightly, um, but it's hard to say. I, I'll, I'll figure out what ones. their ex. I mean, that's true. That is true. What do they call that graphic design? Uh, the bumblebee, the speed block. Well, speed block, or speed yeah. block, or track, track, tra- track stripe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I'll figure out what the family's expectations are, and you know, it was we. I had talked to the family, and it, it was more important that the motorcycles go to capable and enthusiastic owners. Um, rather than getting the most amount of money for him, because you know the the former owner, uh, you know he the, 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 these were his life, right? These motorcycles, and it would be really unfortunate if one of the motorcycles, especially one of the more obscure ones like that T three fifty, 
uh, Suzuki. Um, if something happened to a cylinder or the crank or the cases on that bike, it would be unrepairable virtually. Um, and then if, if just somebody that liked cafe racers bought it and then, you know, blew the motor up, then it would either sit there for the rest of its life broken or get parted out. And that would be really unfortunate. So the goal for all of these bikes is really just to go to owners that have experience with two stroke bikes that can maintain them and ride them and all that. So, well, I, while you were talking, I went out to eBay and I searched the sold listings. Yeah. Sold. Okay. And found two, uh, 84 Kenny Roberts RZ 350s. Uh, one sold for 4,400, one sold for 3,500. So I think you're probably right, not right on the money. Yeah. And there's one that's current on selling right now that's got, uh, one day left on it that's bid up to 4,750. Yeah. So, and are, um, is that one a pretty nice bike? It looks to be pretty good. Um, yeah. do still has the California exhaust on it, 8,800 miles, uh, but can't verify. Clear title. Yeah, I mean, it looks to be in pretty good shape here. So, yeah. So that's why I feel like, you know, a good clean bike but needs an engine. That's probably a seventeen or eighteen hundred dollar motorcycle, as far as I'm concerned. You know, because if you were to take that bike as is to somebody, get the engine rebuilt, engine put back in it, you know, that's going to be a twenty five hundred dollar job. Right. So. The, the fact that you got to take the cases apart really does lower the value because you could do that but the average guy off the street is not going to be prepared to do that economically right Right. so my uh my only temperament on all of that is i have this as as i approach my 49th birthday next month and i'm looking at all the stuff that i've said i wanted to do and haven't yet um, I have this bug to go flying and get my private pilot's license. Yeah. So that's the only thing of like, well, then that takes away from that. So that is the temperament. But a Kenny Roberts RZ350 at the right price, you know, if you let's just say if you don't buy it, then yeah. I'm I'm interested and we, we will need to talk about that a little more. So, yeah, the way. And because my wife isn't listening right now, I'll talk about <laughs> my strategy with these types of things. <laughs> a any Roberts RZ350 is something that you could almost not lose money on. The way that I see it is it's just like putting money from your savings account into a different savings account. Um, it always has value. It always will have value. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have to do something pretty negligent for it to have no value. Um, and, and, and really, so, I was going to say that right now is the time that yeah. they're, they're doing what Porsche 911s right. did over the last five or six years. Well, they're yeah, I mean, you look at off. TZ750s unobtainable. RZ500s are getting unattainable. So, like everything, the the lower levels of everything is starting to move up. Don't don't remind me about the RZ500. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> makes me cry yeah. once in a while. So you know, a good condition RZ350. You know, in ten years, that could be a ten thousand dollar bike. Well, I I pulled up Cycle Trader and looked at the ads for RZ350s. Now these are not sale sell sales. These are asking prices. Uh, one that's painted purple, uh, or custom 
Uh, one that is, says original, uh, original owner, original title, 5,453 miles, always stored inside $11,500 oh, negotiable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no and, way. And how many, how many, what, how many keys of Coke am I getting back on that? Yeah. And there's one that's not a, uh, Kenny Roberts. It's the red, white, and blue. I do really like those ones. And uh, it doesn't have, I don't think this shows mileage. No. But it says, uh, true collector museum quality, not a restoration. Uh, oh, 478 miles. Wow. 13,950. And that I one. I mean, does, that bike might be worth it to the right person. Right. The fact that it is, that it, it's basically brand new. It still does have the, yeah. the factory uh, catalyzer. So, and I will just add that um, the the family, the estate, there are three RZs. Um, there's a Kenny Roberts, the the one that's a basket case that runs and rides. It's just a basket case. Um, and then there is a third that is the red, white, and blue one that was purchased as a parts bike, but ended up being too nice to use as a parts bike. Um, and so it's, it's entirely complete. Uh, and it's in like, you know, roughly good shape too. So, um, yeah, I'll, I need to find out about all three of them, but the Kenny Roberts is the, is close to running and riding. In fact, I did ride it. It just took a lot to get it started because the compression was so low. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I mentioned that um, that uh, T500 uh, Titan Suzuki. Um, it's a super cool bike and it's super nice. Uh, but I just can't imagine it really being worth that much because, you know, a Kenny Robert, an RZ350 has that. It's an RZ and everybody knew what an RZ was. But the, the Titan 500 was kind of an obscure model that nobody really knew about. So, yeah, that's a two-stroke of that period but i just can't imagine anybody really wanting to spend a bunch of money on it especially with a broken kickstarter so yeah i gotta figure out what these are worth and if i even want to uh punish myself by owning (laughs) any (laughs) any more motorcycles you know i i uh back in it was after i got out of the army so it would have been 85 i think I bought a 73 GT 250, uh-huh. which, which was had the little Ram Air uh, shroud over the head. It, the one I bought had was was you know the the paint was weathered and somebody had used alcohol to clean the instruments, so they were all yellowed to the point where you could barely see the tack and the speedo. So it wasn't in great shape, and uh, somebody had let the the uh, steering head get loose so the ball bearings pounded little dimples in the races so mm. it had that oh, that, yeah, yeah. that noticeable click right on center where it yeah. kind of you know had detents as you moved the other than that it was in good shape it ran well it drooled oil here and there but uh i bought it because i wanted the it it was like $150 or $200. The guy at the end of the block was selling it. I needed a front end to turn my 
Bull Taco Persang into a road racer. So I bought it just to strip the front end off of it. So I didn't care about the steering head bearings. But I drove that a couple of times, even with the steering head bearings making it kind of freaky to handle. You know, the handling wasn't great. I really enjoyed that bike. And just lately, I've been thinking that would be a really cool bike that it, it's not quite to the Suzuki triples level of collectability. It mm-hmm. hasn't gotten expensive yet. Although I've seen some restored ones that people want silly money for. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely could see where a Titan would be something you'd want. Yeah. It was a fun bike. Uh, a lot of torque, uh, a 500 twin. It really did well. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, let's go from old bikes to new bikes. Uh, in fact, in fact, Bikes that don't exist yet. Uh, Harley Davidson just uh, rolled out this big press blitz about bikes that they're coming out with in 2019, 2020, 2022, so on. And they're very, very different than what Harley's currently offering. Uh, There's the Pan American, which is an adventure bike that quite honestly looks to me an awful lot like the Cylons from the 1978 version of uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, it looks like uh, Harley's in-house version of a Ulysses that Buell built, kind of like modernized. Yeah, it it's not all that unconventional except for the front fairing, and it has an LED light strip in it. And I have to say, I applaud them for getting away from forcing LEDs into the old incandescent form factors. Yeah. You know, really, really thinking fresh about how you could do the front end of a bike. Kind of the same thing that KTM has done with a lot of their really cool lighting on, on their, uh, uh, Super Duke and stuff like that. Mm hmm. Someone posted a picture of it on the ADV Rider website and put a Hoover vacuum cleaner, upright vacuum cleaner next to it. <laughs> and it's uncanny how similar the lines were between that and the fairing on the, on the Pan American. Uh, most people said it's really ugly. I think it's may end up being something like the fully balanced fenders on old Indians where mm-hmm. it's kind of revolutionary and not real well received at the time, but over time might get appreciated as something yeah. kind of iconic of the period. So I, I applaud them. They did announce that the live wire is going to come out next year. It looks a little bit different, especially the power plant. They've added cooling fins to the, to the electric motor housing, mm-hmm. uh, which looks a little different probably not as attractive to me as the original, but having, I work for a tier one Harley supplier and a bunch of our engineers and managers got to spend an extended amount of time on the, uh, pre-production prototype live wires that they rolled out a couple years ago. And one of our engineers, who's a good friend of mine, who's had been riding for 35 years said that his half an hour on the live wire was one of the highlights of his riding career. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, 
they said they're going to come out with middleweight bikes. They've got the street, but the street's crap. Uh, there's really no other and Harley basically has come out off the record and admitted that yeah the quality and the build quality and the engineering is just not there on the street that's not something they're looking at long term uh, they're going to have this this the motor that's in the Pan American is going to be a modular motor it's going to come out in a number of different configurations and uh, I wonder how many tons it's going to weigh that's that's the hope, isn't it? That someone there in the since they're essentially, I'm not saying rebooting their whole product line because I'm sure they'll continue with all the other stuff they've been. You know, it's been well, the same kinda, bike for thirty did years. Reboot all of their cruisers by making them all the one soft tail platform. True, but what I'm thinking is like an ADV bike, uh, sort of a uh, uh, super naked kind of bike and things like that. Like they've got to look at what they're going to be selling against and understand that they can't sell a 600 pound ADV bike, right? It's got to be something closer to 500 and that a, uh, uh, super naked kind of, whether it's an 800 or the 1200 version is got to be something south of 500 pounds, so closer to 400 pounds. If they want to compete oh, it's, with, it's not going to be 400 pounds. It, it's, but not. if it's a clean sheet, there's a there's that opportunity, right? Because you're not tied yeah, into anything else. But a tied lot of the other leader class super nakeds are way over 400 pounds. True. All okay. right. So so the 800s are closer to 400, but yeah, once you get to the thousands, they're 450 to 500 pounds. That's right, true. Right. But if they can get in that ballpark, then cool. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I'm not gonna hold my breath. <laughs> no, I, I I will say. I'm kind of puzzled why they're announcing this all of a sudden when these bikes are not going to be here for one, two, three, four years. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the way uh, their stock has been headed. I was going to say, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, this this sure. is a wait, wait, wait. Don't let us crash. Everybody yeah. stay interested. We've got, we're working on it. And I think that was all released for Wall Street to say, yeah, we're in a free fall right now, but we have a parachute. Yeah, for Harley, because, you know, it seems like they have actually done some good design work and especially um, the Street Fighter thing that they're. uh, What is it? I think for 2020. Have you seen that? Looks. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't know. I guess like a Buell, <laughs> but well, it, at any rate, it, 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 it looks like it could capture people um, like me that aren't really into Harley's. But I, I mean, design is there. It looks great. You know, I, I I have to say though, looking at their Pan American, looking at the Street Fighter, looking, uh, well, not so much. They've got a custom one, but that's kind of their own backyard. It's kind of their own territory. Yeah. It kind of looks like a Sportster replacement, which is probably what it is, because pretty soon that air-cooled Sportster motor is not going to be able to get through emissions and noise, especially yeah. in Europe. So they've got to be thinking about something liquid-cooled. And I'm guessing if this is going to be, you know, in the 800, 975, 1250 range, it, it's got to be a Sportster replacement, even though they're saying they're not commenting on that, that makes a whole lot of sense because the sportster the evolution sportster's got to be at the end of its life 
Yeah, um, from the from the tank back, it really does have sort of a Buell S1 Lightning kind of look to it. You're talking about the Street Fighter? Uh, yeah, the Street Fighter. Sorry, yeah. And yeah. it does it does have a bit of a Duke esque look yeah, to the front. I was going to say that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, and, there- and then the uh, the the 1250 custom they have too, which is more your traditional Harley, but as a sort of muscle bike, I kind of dig it. It kind of reminds me a lot of the, the Fat Boy. No, I was going to say <laughs> yeah. uh, the now obsolete uh, Octane, the Polaris Octane. Yeah, okay. uh, it's kind of kind of sporty, but. Uh, with the forward pegs on it. Um, the, I was going to say, it's an XR1200 with like fat boy, uh, tires on it. it yeah. It, well, yeah. I, I was just going to say that the, the sidewall, tire sidewall to bodywork ratio is just off. I mean, it's just a little too much tire sidewall. A little. Well, if, um, if you look at the Triumph Bobber, they did the same thing with yeah. their front end. The, the 48 from the Sportster 48. It, it re- to me, this really looks like if you took a, uh, a Triumph Bobber, a uh, Polaris Octane, and a Sportster, and you put them in a blender and hit puree, this is what would come out. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm encouraged that these models, um, it looks, they, they've refreshed a little, I think, their design language, and I can appreciate that. And because one of the things that I've been so critical of Harley for is just like always doing the same exact thing, even when they come out with a model and they're like, oh, you know, this is this is our refresh. And it is literally just the same exact pile of crap that they've been making forever. Um, the design language in these bikes, I think, is a significant improvement. Agreed. Um, and and look much more to um, non-traditional buyers. So. The, the other interesting thing they added in there, too, is that they're talking about actually making electric bicycles as well, which I think is a, you know, almost goes back to the original, the, the, you know, yeah. 1903 and what the first Harleys yeah. actually were, were motorized bicycles. So and they were um, I think, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, I say, and I think that's actually, well, A, it's kind of cool, um, but also that's a growing, a very quickly growing market. Yeah. And they already have the, They've, they've done the hard R&D to understand electric bikes. I know they also, uh, released some real early design sketches of a, an electric, like, on-off-road trail bike to compete mm-hmm. with, like, the 450s, which I think would be a great market for them to get into. Cause, you know, if you go back and you look at, the uh, the Spaghetti Harleys, they had a lot of, you know, on-off-road trail bikes in smaller sizes. And I think making them electric is a way to do that without having boring performance. Yeah. Yeah. Those Alta bikes are getting a lot of press right now. So yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I have to say when I saw the Pan American and they said it was going to be out in whatever, like two years, three years, they're really behind the power curve on this. Yeah. They, they've, they should have had that and their street fighter out five years ago. Yeah. In the market five years ago would have been a really smart move. They have really dragged their heels getting into that market. 
So a friend of mine and I had a conversation about that where he's like, well, what's the point? They're so late into the market. It's already saturated. At which point I said, yeah, but you under look at it from a car car uh, perspective. The SUV and crossover market is completely saturated, but that's all that people are introducing is different flavors of different crossovers and SUVs. I mean, um, you know, there's the the Chevy's bringing back the Blazer, which is essentially, as my wife calls it, a Traverse with a masculine face. Yeah, <laughs> and she's not exactly wrong on that. Right. Um. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, if that's it may be saturated, but if that's where the sales are, guess what? That's what you got to sell. Um, and, and I, and I think you're, you're right. Adventure bike sales are not going to go away anytime soon. But you know? it's saturated with really good adventure bikes right now, too. Right. And, you know, like my fear with the Chevy Blazer is people are going to realize that it's, not a Chevy Blazer, and it's probably not going to sell very well. And I think that well, GM has you know, a history of naming their cars really stupidly. You know, if the Australian GTO, <laughs> if the it, well, no, reusing names badly. Yeah, if the GTO, the the Holden Australian GTO had not been called the GTO, if they would have called it a Monero, that would have been so much more well received. Because everybody drove it and said, well, it's not at all like a, a GTO. It's yeah. kind of a, a puffy grand, GT. Puffery yeah. grand touring car. And, you know, they, they pointed out all the reasons why it shouldn't have been the GTO in every article when it should have been a, here's why it's a nice car for today. And yeah. they're doing the same thing with this Blazer. It's going to be a, well, that didn't work well. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's what this Harley Panamera uh, Pan America is going to be too. Is it's? I just have a hard time believing it's going to compete well with anything, and it'll probably just kind of fall off the map. At any rate, yeah, we'll see. Uh, a last little bit of news. Next month, if we can swing it, uh, I reached out to Jeep Jeff, the uh, cross country rallying. TW200 Trailway owner that we had on in one of our earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Reached out to him, asked him what he was up to. He All he said was, I've had two new adventures and I'm buying a new bike. So I don't know any more than that, but we're going to try and have him on as a guest next month and have him join us because uh, I really enjoyed when he was a guest on the show. He was a great guest and we're going to try and have him back. So that's yeah. what you can look forward to next month. Cool. Uh, I think that's everything that we wanted to talk about. Anything else going on motorcycle wise? Uh, no, just, uh, I'll be, you'll know probably by the time we talk again, uh, where I'm at with those motorcycles, including that Kenny Roberts RZ 350. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I've got some. I've got some time after uh, after I'm back from Canada. I really don't have anything till the end of September, so I might actually have uh, some time to work on on my bike and get that thing <laughs> making noise. Well, Fingers crossed. I'm hoping sometime next week to be able to unpack my garage workshop and get that back, so I can start working on mine as well. So hopefully, we'll all have reports next month. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, as always, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in and supporting us. 
If you have anything that you would like us to talk about, you can go to Facebook and search for The False Neutral. You can go to Hooniverse and search for The False Neutral, or you can uh, go to Shout Engine and leave us a message there, a comment. Uh, go to iTunes, rate and review us there. We always appreciate that. That has a lot to do with how well they feature us in the automotive category of their podcasts. Other than that, if you guys are ready to wrap up, I will say goodbye. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So long. <laughs>